Hi, this is Pastor Curtis. I want to thank you for checking out the Family Church Podcast. I hope it encourages you and inspires you to take your next step of faith. You can find out more about how to do that at our website, familychurch.xyz. And if you know a friend who needs to hear this message, please forward it on to them. I hope you enjoy the message. would have thought he would have said. I mean, this was Jesus. This was the Son of God, right? So you would have thought he would have said, follow me and I'll make you more spiritual. Or, or follow me and I'll make you a better husband or a better wife or a better mom or dad. Or, or follow me and I'll make you more generous. But he didn't say that. Here's what he said in Mark 1, verse 17. He said, come follow me and I'll make you, and here it is, fishers of men. Fishers of men. In other words, he told them, I'm gonna, I want to teach you how to impact someone else's life in a positive way. And some of you are already getting a little nervous thinking that this is going to be a message about evangelism, and you would be right. Which you probably didn't want to hear because most Christians, unfortunately, most Christians don't feel comfortable when it comes to witnessing or evangelizing, which is why you don't do it, which is why many of you don't do it. And that's unfortunate because, you know, what? you can read your Bible from cover to cover, and, and you cannot get away from that theme. Of, it's, at, it's at the center of God's heart, evangelism, reaching the lost. In fact, it's not only the topic that begins the Gospels, it's also the topic that ends the Gospels. We read Mark chapter 1. How about Mark chapter 16, the last chapter in Mark, verse 15. Jesus said to his followers, go everywhere in the world and tell the good news to everyone. So this is what Jesus this is what his goal, this is what his end game was with us, to, to mold us, to shape us, change us in a way that, that our lives would impact other people's lives, in, not just in a positive way, but in a way that would point people towards him. Yet, so many people are intimidated, even scared, at the topic of evangelism. And, and those fears, I believe, those fears are based on myths and misconceptions, oftentimes formed by our own personal experiences. For example, me, when I think of the word evangelist, I picture a guy dressed to the nines in a real fancy suit with white shoes and a bouffant hairdo that you know, kind of comes out like that, walking back and forth on a stage with a microphone yelling, repent, or you're going to go to hell. Right? Some people, when they hear the word evangelism or evangelist, they think of the tele-evangelist. And we all know what we think about tele-evangelists, right? Which sadly, sadly, that phrase has become synonymous with a shyster or a charlatan. Certainly someone that you wouldn't trust. Regardless of your view of evangelism or evangelist, just for a second, do your pastor a favor. Just for a second, I want you to wipe the slate clean. Just clear your, your mind of any preconceived ideas or notions that you have when you hear the word evangelism or evangelist. Wipe that clean and just, just, just here for a second, I want you, what, what, what comes to mind when you think of the person who led you to Jesus Christ? What comes to mind when you think of the person who led you to Jesus? Did any of them wear white shoes? Did any of them wear a flashy suit? Have a bouffant hairdo? Do a bouffant hairdo, right? Did any of them say, send me all your money? I'm willing to bet. 
that the person that led you to Christ, when you think of them, you probably think of someone who was caring, someone who was compassionate, someone who was understanding, genuine, sympathetic. Yet somehow over the years, the word evangelism or evangelist or evangelicals, how about that word, has become warped and distorted to where we think that someone who evangelizes is some radical, crazy, far right-wing, out-of-control person that we can't really relate to. But evangelism, or a true evangelist, is someone who is caring, who's kind, who's inviting, sympathetic, compassionate, and considerate. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, says this. And you will be, Jesus speaking, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You will be my witnesses. You know, in court cases, there are usually different, several different players involved in that. You have the judge, obviously. You have the prosecutor, the one who's trying to convict the accused. You have the defense attorney, the one who's trying to defend the accused. But see, our role is, is none of those. We're not called to prosecute or defend the gospel. Our job isn't to tell people that they're going to hell, nor is it our job to try to answer all the hard questions that people might have about God. Our job is simply this, to be a witness. What does a witness do? A witness just tells what they saw. They just just tells, this is what I saw, right? They just tell their side of the story. let, Let me tell you what happened to me. Let me tell you what God's done in my life. And when we do that, when we do that, people will take note. Not only that, people will be interested. You say, no, they won't, Pastor. No, you're wrong. They will. And I'll tell you why. Years ago, Gallup did a poll where they discovered that of the 65 million people in North America who who won't go to church this morning, of those 65 million people, 34 million would have come to church only if someone would have invited them. Yeah, so you're wrong. People are interested. Regardless of what you think, they are interested. Not only that, of all the topics that teenagers talk about, music, movies, sports, drugs, dating, whatever, of all the topics that young people talk about, the one that they're most interested in talking about, according to that same poll, is spirituality and the afterlife. Regardless of what they say, according to the poll, no, they're interested too. They're interested too in spirituality and the afterlife. The point being, here's my point. God is already at work in people's lives. He's already at work. He just needs us. He needs you and me to understand how evangelism works and cooperate with him to do our part. What is our part? Being a witness. Just tell our story. Just just be a witness. Tell what Jesus has done for us. Let me put it this way, and here's the big idea for this morning's message. Evangelizing is your destiny. If you're a Jesus follower, this side of heaven while living on this planet, this is what you were called to do until Jesus takes you home. In over 40 years of ministry, the most common question, the most common question I get asked as a pastor is people want to know what God's will is for them. Pastor, I just, you know, I just want to know what God's will is. Well, if that's you, this is your good morning, because this is right here. It's on the screen. You know, you know what God's will is for you? To evangelize. That's it. God's will is for you to evangelize. Can you be a little more specific, Pastor C? Absolutely. Go listen to this series. 
Go back over the last four weeks and listen to this series because I got very specific in each of those messages that kind of, kind of outlays this for you and kind of shows you what this means to be a witness, right? So I want to simplify this and make it easy for you because I know a lot of you are intimidated by that word evangelism, witnessing. You, you don't feel like you do it good and you're just kind of afraid. So I, I want to I kind of distill this down. Make it simple by giving you four things that you can do to become a better evangelist, right? To, to become better at witnessing, better at reaching your world and changing your world. So four simple steps. First one, become aware. I kind of touched on this in the, in, in the first message of the series, but become aware. Aware of what? Aware of these two things. First, become aware of the fact that this is your ministry. This is your ministry. I, I mentioned this before, but, but you are God's plan to reach the lost, you and me. There is no plan B. You're it. Right or wrong, this is how God chose to do it, right? Romans 10, verses 14 and 15. How then can they, and they are the people who don't know God, those people who are far from God, those who are unchurched or dechurched, how, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? How can they hear if no one ever invites them to church or no one ever shares their faith journey and what Jesus has done for them? Paul goes on to tell us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. So we are Christ, an interesting word here, we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Come back to God. Folks, this couldn't be clearer. God wants to use us to reach the lost. So the first thing you need to be aware of is why you're here on this planet in the first place. You're here to be God's ambassadors, his representative, to share the good news about Jesus Christ, to witness to other people. And the other thing we need to be aware of is, and this is important too, how the process works. We need, to, we need to understand, we need to be aware of how this process of evangelism works. The Apostle Paul used an agricultural uh, analogy to explain, explain the process of evangelism. Here's what he said in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 6. My work was to plant the seed in your hearts, and Apollos' work, Apollos was another disciple, Apollos' work was to water it, but it was God, not we, who made the garden grow in your hearts. The reason we need to be aware of how the process of evangelism works, and this is huge, you don't want to miss this, the reason we need to know how the process of evangelism works is because it takes the pressure off. When you understand how it works, it takes the pressure off. Let, let, let me explain. Years ago, a guy by the name of James Engel put together the scale through years of research. He, he put together the scale that kind of charted out the process of evangelism as it plays out in people's lives. How people start out far from God and then gradually, step by step, move closer and closer to God, eventually surrendering their life to him, and then beyond that, growing in their relationship and in their faith. Now, the scale is helpful because it shows us that when it comes to evangelism, our job isn't to close the deal. See, we think if we go out and witness and someone doesn't get saved, we failed. No, 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 no. Our job isn't to close the deal. God closes the deal. We plant the seeds. We just, it's a step-by-step. Step. We're just trying to get someone one step closer. That's how this works. So it takes the pressure off because you don't have to close the deal. Now, time won't allow us to examine fully this Engel scale that I, that I referenced, but basically it, it kind of charts the journey from 
no knowledge of God or maybe even antagonistic towards God to coming to know God to finally growing in your relationship with God. But I'm going to start just kind of, again, I'm not going to show the whole thing. We don't have time. But at negative six, he has resistant, resistant. See, this is, this is the furthest people can be from God. And, and these, are, these people are here for usually one of two reasons, hurt or fear. Hurt or fear. And, and, and the reason, unfortunately, the reason that some people are so resistant is because their hurt came from, from the church or maybe even from another Christian. But resistant, resistant. And then the next step, negative five, is receptive. Now, at this stage, people begin to, to open up a little bit to the idea that, that, you know, maybe there is a God out there somewhere, right? And, and, and if there is, then, then maybe that God, you know, maybe has a plan for me. That moves them to the next step, minus four, which is seeking, seeking. Now, this, this is a pivotal stage because this is when people start becoming invested in this process. It may not be much initially, but when someone starts taking the time to ask questions or read an article or listen to a podcast, that shows they're interested, right? I mean, it shows they're at least taking the time to invest a little bit in this, and that's a huge step in the right direction. And then that leads us to the, the next stage, the next stage. Where am I at? Minus four or number, minus three? Minus three, considering, considering. You go from seeking to considering. Now, this is where people begin to kind of capture a glimpse of the large picture of life. You, you start kind of, you know, kind of stepping back and realizing maybe there is more to life than just me and my little world here, Right? This is where people kind of come, begin to kind of look at their life uh, compared to what it could be, what it could be. Receptive, seeking, considering, and then the next step is understanding, minus two, understanding. This is where we begin to understand some of the truths and principles found in the Bible. See, this is where, you know, you've read the Bible, I don't know how many times, but all of a sudden you read it one time, and all of a sudden you're reading the teachings of Jesus, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, I think I could, it begins to make sense. You kind of, you see how you can apply that, Right? That's the understanding, which leads to the next stage, and that's ready, ready. This describes the 34 million people who would have come to church this morning but haven't been invited. See, we think that they're not ready, but they are. They're, they're just waiting on one thing. They're just waiting on one thing, not an explanation, not how did, how did Noah get all those animals on the ark, not that how did Moses part that Red Sea. No, no, they're waiting on one thing, an invitation. An invitation, just someone to invite them, church. Then once the invitation is given and they respond, that brings them to ground zero. And this is new life in Christ. See, this is where the person makes the decision to surrender their life to the Lord. And then once they do that, they start up the plus side of the scale. Plus one is belonging, belonging. Honestly, I'm just being real honest with you. We've got a lot of folks here at Family Church. You've been stuck at ground zero for too long. Just, you know, pastors just being honest, but some of you have been at ground zero for too long. You've never taken that next step. You hear us talk about this a lot, but it's true. God made us in a way that we need each other. That's why it's important to get plugged into a small group, a home group. At, at, at Family Church, we call them growth groups. See, this is, this is where you really begin to, to mature in your spiritual walk, which leads to the next stage, plus two, which is growing. Another word I could have used here was discovering because this is the stage where you find out what God has for your life. You hear us say this quote quite a bit too by Mark Twain. The two most important days in your life are the day that you were born and the day you find out why. And that, that's true, right? 
it's an oversimplification that you want to be a success in life. Let me, I'm going to tell you how to be a success in life. Find God's will and do it. Find God's will and you want to be a success? Find out what God has for you and begin to pursue that. And doing God's will, mark it down, mark it down. Doing God's will will always have some aspect, and this is the next step, plus three, serving. Serving. God's will will always have some aspect of serving. Because you need to understand a lot of what God wants to do for you, a lot of what he wants to do for you, will never be realized till you make it to this stage. God's blessings, his provision, the way that he speaks to you and guides you, all those things can only happen when you get your eyes off yourself and onto the needs of others. Jesus was all about others. He was all about others, which leads us to this next stage, which is sharing. Sharing. This is where ultimate fulfillment comes as we begin to tell others what Christ has done for us. This is where we kind of become a witness, like, he, like we're supposed to and share with others the hope that they can have because of the resurrection of Christ. I touched on this earlier, but here's a great definition of evangelism. Evangelism is helping people discover how God is already at work in their lives. Because he is. They just don't know it. But you can point that out to them. God is already at work in their lives. So you want to get better at evangelism? Recognize that this is your calling. Recognize that this is your calling and that it's also a process. Then, then, number two, commit to prayer. Commit to prayer. Specifically, make a list of people that you'd like to see come to know Jesus and begin praying for them. And I'm going to give you some Bible verses to pray over these people, whether it's a lost spouse or a lost child, a prodigal child, or, or an unsaved boss or a neighbor. Here are five prayers that you can pray for someone that you'd like to see come to know Christ. And I'm telling you, it was worth coming this morning just for these five points, and you can go to the website and get these notes off of the outline. Five prayers that you can pray, very simple prayers, over someone that you would like to see come to know Jesus. Number one, pray that the Father would draw them to Jesus. Why? Because Jesus said in John 6, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. That's pretty clear. Pray that the Father would draw them to Jesus. Second prayer, pray against the spirit that blinds their minds. 2 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4 says, if our gospel is veiled or hidden, some translations say hidden, it is hidden to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this age, talking about Satan, has blinded, not, not their eyes, He's blinded their minds so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ. Third prayer. Pray that they come to know God relationally. Paul says in Romans 8, 15, the spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you, you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your, and in two huge words here, adoption to sonship. The spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. Note those two huge words, adoptions. In other words, Paul's talking about a relationship here. Pray that they come to understand God, not on, from the context of religion, but just from the context of relationship, that God wants to have a personal relationship with them, that they would come to know God relationally. And then four, pray that believers will cross their path. Pray that other believers will, will cross it. Not the flaky ones, God. Bring, bring, bring cool believers because we all know the flaky ones. We don't want them witnessing. No, no, no. God, bring the cool believers by their past to just share with them, people that would, that would love them and genuinely be concerned about them and pray for them and invest in their lives. 
That's what Jesus prayed, Matthew 9, 38. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Now, this is especially true when praying for a family member. Here's why. (laughs) Sometimes your family can be your hardest mission field for obvious reasons, right? No one knows you like your family. They they know for good and bad, they, they know all about you. So seriously, oftentimes, they're some of the hardest people for you to witness to. So pray that God would bring someone else along, someone that, that, that would, you know, be able to, that they would be able to receive from. And then the last one, the, the fifth prayer, is pray for a revelation of who Jesus is and what he's done for them. Ephesians 1.17, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. See, this is the aha moment. Pray that God would bring them bring to that aha moment. You know, you can't turn the lights on for them, but God can. You know, that, that point in your life, and we all had it. If you're, if you're a Jesus follower, you had it. That moment where it clicked for you. Pray that God would do that. So then they'll say, oh, okay, I see now. I see it. So you want to get better at evangelism? Here's how you do it. You become aware. You commit to prayer. Then you show you care. I can make a rhyme any old time. <laughs> You become aware, you commit to prayer, then you show you care. This is what we did yesterday. This is what we did yesterday on our serve day, right? We, we, we showed our community that we care. Again, people don't care what you know. They want to know that you care. Look, evangelism's really not hard, folks. It's really not. Anyone can serve. We had over 100 people. We haven't had 100 people come for anything. In this Anyone can serve, Right? And think about this. Think about this. One time, Jesus just went to lunch with Zacchaeus. That's all. That's all. He just had lunch. Hey, let's go have lunch at your house, right? How many of you can eat? How many? Come on. You're in. You know how to evangelize if you know how to eat. Just invite someone to lunch. That was Jesus' evangelism style. Just, just, just showing people that he cared. First year we moved to Wellsville, we lived up on Main Street, rented up one of the, at that time, Richard and Esther Rogowitz owned it. Right next to the house that we rented, there were a couple of trailers. Those of you that lived here long enough, you kind of know what that area I'm talking about. But uh, there was a young man that lived in one of those trailers, the trailer right next to us. And uh, this guy was nice enough, he, he, just, he just needed Jesus. He, 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 need, he needed Jesus really, really bad. Um, he had a lot of life-controlling issues. He was single, kind of living that party life. And almost every, this is no lie, oh, that's soup. Every Friday, I, I knew when he got home from work every Friday because he would put on lover boys working for the weekend. <laughs> and crank it up, he cranked that puppy up to 10. Everybody's working for the weekend. Now you got that earworm going through your head all day, right? Everybody wants a new romance. Everybody's going off the deep end. Everybody needs a second chance. I don't think he realized, maybe he did. I don't think he realized how prophetic that song was for his life. Sue and I had him over for dinner one night, just to get to know him. We didn't preach at him. He knew I was a, he knew I was a pastor, but, you know, we, we didn't preach at him. 
since he wasn't home a lot and, and since we only lived in that house for about a year, I sort of lost track of him. Never really got a chance to follow up on that time that we had him over for dinner. We moved, he moved. But the last time I saw him, we were heading north on Interstate 35 one time. And as we approached this bridge, kind of over there by Edgerton, this bridge that goes across the interstate, I saw someone standing up on the bridge, right by the edge of the bridge. And as we got closer, I saw that this guy was, uh, uh, had his pants down, relieving himself over the edge of the bridge. Sure enough, as we got closer, I told Sue, I said, that's, and I said his name. So apparently, he was still listening to Loverboy, still going off the deep end, still needing a second chance. But you know what? I don't know what happened to that guy, but occasionally I'll think of him when I'm driving underneath that bridge. I'll think of him, and I'll pray for him, and I'll pray for him. Pray that, someone, that God would bring someone along to water those seeds that Sue and I planted when we had him over for dinner that, that one time. And the reason I pray for him is because I believe God will do that. And I want to tell you why I believe God will do that. Somewhere between my sophomore and junior years, a friend and I hitchhiked to Lubbock, Texas to see a mutual friend. What we didn't realize is that friend was, had come back up to Kansas. So here we are down in Lubbock. Trying, well, what are we going to do down here? The, the person we came to see is up in Kansas, wasn't going to be back for another week. So we met some people down in Lubbock, and they said, you guys need to go. Have you ever been to Austin? You guys need to go to Austin. So this one morning, we went out and got on the highway and hitchhiked from Lubbock to Austin. Somewhere on a two-lane highway, halfway between Lubbock and Austin, Texas, standing out there in the middle of nowhere, station wagon with a family of seven, slowed down and stopped. Asked where we were going. Well, we're going to Austin. Well, we're not going that far, but, you know, we can get you down the road a few miles if you want to hop in. And it was apparent that this family had come from church because they were all dressed up. I saw the Bibles up on the dash, you know, mom and dad and five kids in a station wagon. As I think back on it, boy, they were brave because I wouldn't have picked us up. I was as far from God as anyone could be at that point in my life. We jump in the station wagon with them and start heading down the road. We got close to their house. Said, you know, we're getting ready to have lunch. Would you guys like to have, you know, lunch with us? And I'll tell you what, when you're hitchhiking, you get any free meal you can get because you don't know when you're going to eat again. So, sure. So we went in and, and had lunch with them. Sat around this large dining room table. They start, you know, serving the food, just getting ready to eat. Says, well, let's take hands. <laughs> oh, okay. It didn't surprise me. I mean, it was obvious that this was a church-going family, so it didn't surprise me when he wanted to pray over the meal. So we took hands, and he prayed over the meal. But not once did anyone in that family ever preach to us. In fact, the only time the name of Jesus was mentioned was when he 
prayed over the meal, and at the end, it said, in Jesus' name. That's the only time Jesus was mentioned. Took us out to the highway, dropped us off, and I'll never forget this. As we got out, got our stuff out, sleeping bag and stuff out of the car, he looked at us and he said, it was a pleasure meeting you guys. We'll be praying for you. And I remember thinking, really? This guy who would actually take the time to pray for a couple of complete strangers, burned out hippies that probably, you know, would never see again. As I think back, I got a little emotional in the first service thinking about that God actually orchestrated that event for me. That this this nice, clean-cut, well-mannered family of seven would stop and pick up a couple of hippies standing by the side of the road, feed us. I didn't realize it at the time, but they planted some seeds. Over time, I did come to know Christ as as other people watered those seeds. And I think about that family occasionally. I, I wish I had their name so I could call them, say, hey, Remember those hippies you picked up? Yeah, I'm actually a pastor. He, he, probably, he, he would have thought it was a crank call. Yeah, right, you know. But because a family was just obedient, that's all. They didn't preach it. They didn't try to close the deal. They just invited us to lunch. They just followed the example of Jesus. That's, hey, want to have lunch? And because of their obedience, I'm sharing this with you today. 1 Corinthians 9, 19 to 23. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. Verse 22. I have become all thanks to all people so that by all possible means, all possible means, taking them to lunch, raking their leaves, painting their walls, cleaning their windows, sweeping their porch, cleaning out their gutters, by all possible means, I might save some. I might save some. Verse 23, I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I might share in its blessings. And and sharing in its blessings is simply just living the life that God called you to live as, as a witness. Become aware. Commit to prayer. Show them you care. And then get ready. Because if you do those three, then God's going to give you these opportunities. So be looking for them. Be ready to share. Be ready to share. Now, some of you might still be, ah, I don't know, Pastor. I, I, I just don't share Jesus very well. I, I mean, I, I get intimidated or scared. I, I just don't feel adequately prepared. Okay, if that's you, instead of sharing Jesus, just share your church. Just share your church. Just say, hey, you know what? Our church is doing this thing we call at the movies. And, 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 you know, I, I want to invite you to come. You can sit with me. You can sit with me. Every single one of you can pick up some of those invite cards walking out. Those are your seeds. Those are your seeds. You can go out and scatter those seeds. You can go out and plant those seeds. You don't have to close the deal because only God can do that anyway. It takes the pressure off takes the pressure off.
So here are some questions to kind of keep the discussion going. It's not about closing the deal. It's about just moving people one step at a time. Just, just one step closer. That's all we're trying to do. We're not trying to go from negative six to ten. We're just one step at a time. That's all we're trying to do. Identify a person in your sphere of influence and pray about how you can move them one step using that scale. Evangelism is showing people how God's already working in their lives. What would happen? What would happen if you showed people in your circle or your sphere of influence how God was already using them? What if you helped them to see their giftings and how God has given them certain passions and desires? People need to know that we care before we listen to the gospel. How did Jesus how did Jesus demonstrate this attribute for us? And how can we show the same type of compassion to the people around us? Bow your heads. Let me pray for you. You know, everyone sitting in here this morning is on a spiritual journey, which means each one of you, every single one of you are somewhere on that scale. Whether you consider yourself to be a Christian or not, some of you have made, you've made it to ground zero. And that's good. Praise God. But you've never moved past that point. And it's time to start growing. How do I grow, Pastor? I already told you. Find God's will and do it. Discover God's will and purpose. And and then begin serving. Some of you need to take the next class. Some of you need to join one of our dream teams and start serving. Some of you need to get plugged into a growth group. Some of you need to host a growth group. Some of you, you just need to get moving. Moving towards more of what God has for you because because he does have more for you. More than you can imagine. Some of you, you're somewhere in in the negative numbers on that spectrum. If that's you, my prayer for you is that the Holy Spirit, that spirit of revelation that I referenced in that prayer, that that spirit of revelation would, would draw you one step closer to ground zero this morning. That, that you would have your own aha moment when you realize that, that you're a son or a daughter of the living God. That, that serving God is about a relationship, not, not religion. Some of you, you've had someone praying for you maybe for a long time. I know I did. Maybe that's why you're here this morning. Someone's been planting seeds and, and, and God brought you here so, so that preacher sitting up there could water the seeds. Here's what some of you already know. God's been dealing with you for a while now. And you've been trying to ignore it. You've been trying to suppress it. Trying to hope it goes away. Can I tell you, it ain't going away. The Bible says God's created eternity in our hearts. It ain't going away. God has too much invested in you to let you continue to living the way that you have. And some of you need, some of you need to close the deal with God this morning. So if that's you, if you've been running from God and it's wearing on you and you're ready to surrender your life to him, you're ready to take that next step of getting to ground zero. Or maybe you used to be at ground zero. Maybe you used to be at one or two, plus plus one or two. But something happened, maybe even something in church, and it caused you to stop trusting God, and you walked away. But come on, come on. Deep down, you know life is not better without the Lord. So if you're ready to take that step to ground zero, it would be my honor to lead you in a prayer where you can 
come home. Come back home. Your heavenly Father. Paul says if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, that we would be saved. So it's not just, it's not just saying the words. It's, it's, it's believing what you're about to pray. So if you just repeat this prayer to say, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross and paying for my sin. Right now, I, I surrender my heart and my life to you. I'm inviting you to be my Lord and Savior. Come live inside of me by your Holy Spirit. Change me. Help me to live my life for you. For everyone else, help us to take our next step and not be afraid or intimidated by the word evangelism, but embrace it in its simplicity as we make ourselves aware, as we commit to prayer, as we show we care, and then as we begin to do what Jesus called us to do, just be a witness and share the good news with others. And in so doing, change our world. In Jesus' name.